It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Greg, you just expressed dismay at the forecast temperature for tomorrow. I did. Forecast high for tomorrow, 11 degrees. This feels decidedly as though perhaps this would normally be either our Friday or Saturday of the May long weekend. And then tomorrow would be either the Saturday or the Sunday. And then, of course, typically Monday ends up being the most spectacular day of the May long weekend when we end up having rocky road or rocky weather. And uh, we're just we're just sort of just backing that up just a couple of days, Brett. Yeah, because yesterday we were for the forecast for Thursday was sunny and 16. And now the forecast for Thursday is mainly sunny with a chance of showers and a high of 11. So Friday, sunny and 20. Environment Canada saying for hang on a second here for uh, Saturday, 25, Sunday, 20 and Monday, 30. And, uh, and I've checked some of the other weather apps, too, and it's kind of similar. Like, Weather Network says Monday 26. So uh, I, I would tend to probably lean more towards that. Because it has to be good. Environment Canada is sort of, they've called for 30 degrees a lot in the last week. <laughs> and it, we, I don't think we've quite gotten there. I'm, I put, I'm putting all my faith in them because on Monday, Eric Dyke said the long weekend looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I basically professed love to him on air and because I was so excited that we were going to have a nice long weekend. Yeah. And of course, I had my eyes on Clear Lake and they're still saying 32 on Monday, 20 Sunday, 26 Saturday. And I'm, I'm holding them to that. So Monday, you're going to be driving home back on the nicest day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And then I will be, if none of this comes true though, I will be outside union station where environment Canada works. I don't know if you should be giving away that uh, secret location. It's not secret, but there's a reason why. No, I'll be picketing with a sign that says, there's a, dare you? there's a reason why I asked Eric for this, uh, for this in writing and in, in blood on Monday, because Poor Eric. Such a great guy. He is a great guy, but just sort of suspicious of this whole thing. So if the sunshine holds, I don't know if the temperature matters that much. You know, 20 is great. 25 is awesome. 30 is for a lot of people too hot. For me, it is. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, like Sunday, Environment Canada says sunny and 20, for example. Weather Network, and this is for Winnipeg, and uh, Weather Network says sunny and 18 and very little wind. So... Eight, sunny that's 18 manageable. and relatively calm wind. I'll take that. Great. Yep. So I'm all in on that. Uh, and hopefully this uh, air quality situation doesn't get, because yesterday it was kind of bad to start the day and then it got better as we went along and now it's starting okay. Seems okay for the most part outside, but potentially I guess we'll see some more smoke coming in. So, yeah. Uh, lots of, one of the big things we're going to be talking about today is bail reform, Loren. Yeah, I just got off the phone with the federal justice minister, David Lametti, who is working through a series of interviews this morning after they put out announcements yesterday that they are going ahead with those new bail reforms, new legislation that would make it more difficult for some, not all, just some repeat violent offenders to be released on bail. They're obviously going coast to coast to try to sell this this morning because provincial justice ministers have been calling for it, the chiefs of police have been calling for these changes. They feel like there's too many people who have already previously committed serious crimes who then commit another crime and get bailed too quickly and then commit another crime again. So we'll get into what it will look like. But Greg, I know that there there are people who are saying this is a good start. And there are those that are saying 
goes too far. So these are sort of a dialing back of some of the reforms that took place. Was it 2017 where the rules that we see now were implemented? Is this an acknowledgement? And maybe you got this acknowledgement from the minister is this an acknowledgement that those those reforms in 2017 went too far? It's a, it's an acknowledgement that they've heard what people are saying that there needs to be changed. And so I, I don't know if anyone wants to admit that it was wrong, but it's more an idea that they see what's happening out there. And, and as much as we look at Winnipeg and think, oh, my gosh, the crime is terrible. Cities right across this country are dealing with this and are very concerned about what's going on. My question to him was also on does this apply to young offenders? And so we'll get more into that at 637 because there's a number of people that will say that there's too much of an open door policy for young offenders. Uh, and then others who say, no, the point is to let them reform and be 15, 16 and admit that they make mistakes, that they're still young people, not adults. And so what about young offenders? We'll have that chat at 637. And a bit later on this morning at 8.35, we are going to be talking, Greg, about the return of professional basketball to Manitoba. They are called the Winnipeg Sea Bears. We'll find out the origins of that team name. We'll visit with the owner of that franchise, David Asper, will join us in studio. We'll get the lowdown on the latest attempt to make professional basketball a part of the permanent scene of professional sports in our city, because this would be at least the third attempt in the last several decades of course the winnipeg thunder called the winnipeg arena home there were the winnipeg cyclones who played out of the winnipeg convention center for a couple of seasons and then now the sea bears who will play in canada life center will find out what are the prospects for long-term success in our community and we do have two tickets to give away to see the winnipeg sea bears take on the vancouver bandits on saturday may 27th in their opening game i've got tickets for that i'm pumped to see some pro basketball back in Winnipeg. It is Mackling McGarry and McNabb with a question for you. Will the NHL have to find another home for the Arizona Coyotes? Well, Brett, right now the answer appears to be yes. In case you're just catching up, the Coyotes have played in three different venues since moving to Arizona almost 30 years ago. The team shared a downtown Phoenix arena with the NBA's Phoenix Suns after relocating from Winnipeg back in 1996. Then they moved to Glendale's Gila River Arena in 2000. Three, but the Coyotes had troubled tenure in the Phoenix suburb. There was a bankruptcy in 2009, a failed attempt by the owner of Blackberry to buy the team and move it to Hamilton. You may recall thousands of Winnipeggers watching City of Glendale City Council meetings as that city worked to keep the team there just weeks before the Atlanta Thrashers eventually moved to Winnipeg May 31st, 2011. And then in 2015, more trouble when Glendale backed out of a long-term contract to lease its rink to the club, Loren. So that's when the Coyotes worked at a Coyotes worked at a deal to share Arizona's Mullet Arena, greatest name ever. It has a capacity of just five thousand, so it's like the, by far the smallest rink in the NHL. It's a university rink, and over the last year, the club thought it had found a more permanent plan. So a two point one billion dollar rink and residential complex in Tempe, Arizona. Tempe Council they all voted in favor of this project, but agreed to put it to a referendum. Thirty thousand ballots were cast last night. 56% voted against 
this project say no to spending that amount of money. 44% were for it, meaning the deal for this new rink is dead. Holly Bach is with the CBS affiliate in Arizona and shared the breaking news with Arizonians last night. We spent our evening at watch parties with people both for this project and people against it. The room almost went kind of silent around 8 o'clock at, at that watch party uh, where the people were all gathering who were for the event. And here in Tempe, the people who were against this project, they were cheering in excitement, saying that they felt that their voices were heard. Now, those against it say there were concerns about many things, including cost of living, traffic, and uncertainty with the way it would be paid for. But we also heard from the CEO of the Coyotes, who said he was disappointed with his outcome. And now, if the Coyotes will stay in Arizona, that is the big question. While we wanted a different outcome, we remain grateful to all those who volunteered their time and their talent. What is next for the franchise will be evaluated by our owner and the National Hockey League over the coming weeks. Now we know more than 29,000 Tempe residents voted, but there's still about 4,000 ballots that need to be counted. Those are the ones that were dropped off today. So those will be processed, and tomorrow we'll have a little bit of a better idea of those final voting numbers. Uh, guys, we're also told there will be a press conference for the media tomorrow at noon with the city of Tempe. So it will be very interesting to see what they have to say. We'll make sure we bring you that coverage throughout the day tomorrow. So, of course, that was from last night, meaning Tempe will speak more about this today. In the meantime, here's what NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman said in a statement, quote, the National Hockey League is terribly disappointed by the results of the public referenda regarding the Coyotes Arena project in Tempe. We are looking to review with the Coyotes what the options might be going forward. And several potential landing spots for the Coyotes are on the table, including Salt Lake City, Kansas City, Atlanta, Houston, Texas, and if you're looking for a team to land in Quebec City, this isn't likely to be the team. The geographical balance and setup of the NHL's four divisions would tip the pendulum of probabilities towards Kansas City and Houston. I would put Houston as the apparent front runner, Brett McGarry. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have Shania Twain tickets to give away. For November 7th, Canada Life Centre. And we want to revisit what we discussed at 6.15 here. The Arizona Coyotes. The deal is dead. It's been voted down. The new arena deal has been voted down. So probably means the Arizona Coyotes will be leaving that market. So that inspired the question, what's a team you miss? Whether they just went belly up or they moved. Your Greg is what? What, are, what hat are you, what chapeau are you wearing right now? Yeah, perfectly said. Uh, Montreal Expos chapeau. And uh, on the at the top of the list of teams that I would like to see come back are the Montreal Expos. I would love to go to a Major League Baseball game in Montreal. Not necessarily at Olympic Stadium, but if it would have to be there, I suppose I would go. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much anticipating, hoping, praying for a return of the Major League's to Montreal at some point, maybe in my lifetime. So 204-780-6868, what's a team you miss? And it doesn't have to be professional. doesn't even have to be real. <laughs> I think of the Dylan Panthers, for example, in Friday Night Lights, the television show. I just started re-watching that again. And uh, yeah. Great loved show. It. Loved yeah. it. I was sad when uh, that show finally uh, 
shut it down, but it was on for like six seasons and it was wonderful. So 204-780-6868. I'll start us off here. I don't actually miss this team. I never even saw this team. I never heard of this team until I bought their jersey when I worked at Jersey City. And they had all of the, I think at the time it was the IHL jerseys when the Manitoba Moose played in the IHL. Uh, am I, am I, is that correct? The IHL? Yep, okay. Yep, yep. So the, and everybody who worked there said, oh, you should have seen the San Francisco Spiders jerseys. So I tracked one down at Abdi Cards at the back of Book Fair. This would have been back in like 1997. And uh, I think they were, they existed for one whole year. But they have the coolest jersey I think I've ever seen. Probably liked it because it looked like something Spider-Man. It was like a hockey slash Spider-Man jersey. So super nerdy. There's my pick. Cameron Portress, what about you? Oh, this one was a real, real easy one for me. Um, The two uh, WHA franchises that uh, no longer exist. Uh, the I, I got to go with the Quebec Nordiques and the Hartford Whalers. Diehard hockey fan bases. Uh, the Whalers still hold a lot of clout in Hartford. I mean, if you see anything out of that area, I mean, they've tried to... I, I think Carolina still, definitely still owns the logo, and they've not handed that over. And you've seen oh no, some, they've they've done the third jersey and yeah. everything. So like you've seen some of those teams, and they go as the Connecticut Whale. There, I think the uh, the uh, perhaps I think even the women's hockey team there maybe is even called that or has been. I know the AHL tried to rename. I think they went back to the Wolves because I just think it didn't connect with the fans. They thought it was cheap. Like we're not pretending to be these guys. But I I, I always love the Whalers. I think they had one of the best logos mm-hmm. in the history of sports. Very just cool. freaking awesome. And I love the homage to the whale, like the, you know, the yeah. ship and their history. It's, a, it's such a great name. Yeah, the Hartford Whalers I miss, and of course the Quebec Nordiques. I I, I, I always hope, and we'll have to wait and see if they're if they're ever going to return. But uh, uh, again, and my 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 um, my uh, my brother's girlfriend is from that area of Quebec, and believe me, the Nordiques are still are still big time there. They're they're, they're very very miss. Uh, uh, it's apparently missed. a great rink still there too. So they I, just built a brand new rink. Yeah, they it's got incredible. a gorgeous great, brand new rink. They could do a team. It's, it's NHL ready, but you know. Snoop Dogg needs gotta, to divert his attention from Ottawa to Quebec. You make a really good point, Brett. I think that might make a difference. Let's just start adding Snoop Dogg on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and see if we can get a campaign going. Yeah. Uh, Sarah McCarthy, what about you? I'm going with a fake team, but they're real in my heart. Um, from the TV show One Tree Hill, the One Tree Hill <laughs> Ravens. So it's a 2000s kind of rom-com TV show. It was like eight or nine seasons and just two brothers that had different mothers, but same dad. But they just walked around the high school hating each other, but then come together for their love of basketball. So, you know, you see the triumphs, the losses, all that. You get so attached to like sports, fake sport teams. Maybe it's just me, but yeah. Nope. Great show for me. The, the, you, the Ravens? The Ravens, yeah. Nice. One Tree Hill. Have you tried to go back and watch that show again? Eh, it's kind of cringy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I maybe got like eight minutes in. I was like, oh yeah. no, this just, it all, I don't know, I can't put my finger on the why. Cringy. It just felt wrong. It's like all 2000s were kind of like, oh. Why is it Why is it cringy? Like just inappropriate or no, just silly? No, just the drama was okay. just like, they're fighting over this guy. They're fighting over that. But yeah. A lot went down in that high school. It did. A lot. <laughs> yeah. It was not at your typical high. It was by no. far, I feel. I hope it was far hope. from your typical high school. Yeah. yeah. Mackling, what about you? 
Oh, I'm sticking with the Expos. Yeah. I don't know if I could come up with a better one. Uh, obviously, uh, with this conversation about the potential for the for the coyote, Coyotes to move to Houston, I think they're the front runner if if the Coyotes relocate. And Cam and I were, were talking about this earlier. The, the irony of that is that when the Winnipeg Jets were in the World Hockey Association, the Houston Arrows essentially folded and the Jets bought at least five contracts of Houston Arrows. And when they won their final World Hockey Association Avco Cup Trophy Championship, they did so with this essentially a, an uh, amalgamous team between Winnipeg and Houston. And I think there, there would be a big move if the Coyotes were to move to Houston for them to be, in fact, called the same name that they were called in the World Hockey Association, the Arrows. So it would be kind of neat to see that thing go full circle. Not as full circle as it might have happened in 2011 had Phoenix moved back to Winnipeg, but there you go. Yeah, we'll just we'd see the Birmingham Bulls back and we'll be happy. Oh, there we go. <laughs> no, I, I like the Houston Arrows still have lots of clout. They hold lots of clout. Gordy Howe played for them and, and the Houston area remembers them quite vividly. So. Forte, what about you? Well, mine, uh, we just played their anthem. <laughs> yes. It's the Monstars from Space Jam. You love that movie, don't you, Forty? It was my favorite movie when I was a kid. And listen, all the characters on that team, they were hilarious. They were funny. They got their, they stole the talent from the NBA players. That's how good they were. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, they did lose to the Toon Squad and yeah. were sent back to Planet Moron Mountain. But I say, bring them back. Bring them back. I love Space Jam. I have my entire life been a big fan of that movie. And I think if I, if I watched it as like a 30-year-old, I probably would have thought it was horrible. But like through my little child eyes, it holds a special place in my heart. And when your team? If I was being serious, I'd say like Minnesota North Stars. I don't know why, but I love that name. And growing up, it just sticks. Even when I go, I have gone to wild games, and I just feel like I want to yell out North Stars all the time. Yeah. And then uh, if I'm being more fun, in uh, deference to our listener who texted yesterday about their kid going to the na- uh, cheerleading championships, I'm thinking of, uh, I had to look this up this morning, from Bring It On, the cheerleaders. Oh my gosh. Only because I use this line all the time where there's this competition between cheerleaders. They steal each other's dances or one group steals the dances and the one girl is like, why don't you bring it? And the other one's like, oh, it is already rotten. And I love to use that line. So I think it's Compton Clovers and I looked this up this morning. Help me out. Compton Clovers and... Great movies. So. Anyway. Oh is that gosh. the same one with U G L Y? You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. Hey, hey. Compton you Covers, ugly. Rancho Carn Toros. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb as we listen to some Minogue, some Kylie Minogue. Haven't heard this in a long time. Nice pull, Jeff Forte. It's because, I did, did you hear me talk about her? Yeah, yeah, then come on. Oh, thank you, because when we were talking about t- sports teams we'd like to see come back, I fell down a rabbit hole of Kylie Minogue making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how, how I got How did you get there? I'm not sure. I think I typed in teams. Because what happened in the Having Coffee talking segment, Brett had said we're going to do this topic. I had picked the Dylan Panthers, and then you picked the Dylan Panthers from Friday Night Lights, the fake show. And then I panicked because my only other thought was the Expos. And then you said that. And then I started sweating, and I Googled comebacks. And then I went down Kylie Minogue rabbit hole. First of all, you don't sweat. Oh, do I sweat? I'm a sweater. (laughs) And my sister and I also did lip syncs to Kylie Minogue. And she was the fake Caitlin Minogue. There was no real Caitlin, I don't think. But we were the (laughs) Minogue sisters in the living room. 
like if, even a thousand dollars is is still a lot. Well, the, the average. I just I wanted to point out the average is you're slightly above it. The average for a one bedroom in Winnipeg is twelve ninety three. Two bedroom is sixteen sixteen hundred seventeen. So even if you're splitting that, you're at eight or nine hundred bucks a month with a roommate. So I I just hadn't I had been so far removed from the rental market that I hadn't stopped to think about where the prices are going there. Well, the question I was going to have for Brett then is. It's all well and good to contemplate a change, but if you're going to try and save money, does that impact your geography in terms of where you end up living? And then does that now change the way you get to work and you have to reconsider that? And then now all of a sudden, are you perhaps driving more often or all the time? And then do you need to add parking to that scenario because you might find less expensive rent the further you get into the suburbs, but there's a cost to that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, and I haven't I haven't thought too deeply about it, and I'm glad that you just laid that out because I absolutely would have looked first and said, "Oh, this rent's a lot cheaper," and I, I would be the kind of person to just do it and then go, "Oh, I guess I should have thought about all these other expenses because I do save a ton of money, especially in the winter on gas. I filled up my car I think twice between, all winter between October and uh, April." Wow. wow. Maybe three times. Wow. I'm so jealous. I had to fill up my car up the other day and it's like it almost, I, I, I couldn't, I was like, what side of the car is the, <laughs> do I have to pull in? Because I'm been two I months. I for a week, a week without doing it twice. Yeah. Well, and that's even when I used to work, work in Polo Park, just driving to Polo Park and back from Transcona, I was filling my car up every week. And those are the considerations uh, people make. You know, I've mentioned the fact that Oak Bank has been on our family's radar for several years now. But, you know, the the homes that are of a comparative size might be less expensive. The taxes might be less expensive, but the mileage you put on your vehicle, the amount of gas that you pay and the time, which is the most precious commodity in my life, it's just not worth it. Hey, Forte, how long have you been in your apartment now? Uh, just over four years. How much has your rent gone up? Uh, it used to be ten fifty, and Lorraine's dancing. Yeah. It used to be ten fifty, and now it's just under twelve hundred. Okay, so that's not awful. But feel free to let us know at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight as Loren does the locomotion. Um, what are if you're a renter? What or if you have somebody in your life who is a renter? What are you or they experiencing? Uh, just feel free to give us your feedback. <laughs> In honor of the Arizona Coyotes potentially having to move to another market after their arena deal got squashed yesterday, we're asking you, what's a team you miss, whether it's a real team or a fictional team? And this one's kind of a little bit of both from Dale, who said this one's for you, Brett. The Mega Powers, Hulkster and Macho Man. That's right, from the 80s, Hulk Hogan. They were a what tag you gonna team? do, brother? They were a tag team and... Oh, yeah, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yeah, they were a team, and then they were bitter rivals. I was just watching some videos the other day, actually, of Macho Man cutting promos on Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that was a bitter rivalry. So they were they were they were enemies. Then they were frenemies, and then they were enemies again. I'm I, trying to remember how that went. Ah, uh, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, always back and forth. But uh, that was a good team. I think that's your strongest, by the way, of all the excellent WWE and wrestling personalities that you imitate. I think your Macho Man's the strongest. Oh, it you might like the be, Macho Man? We, it, it, what it else just, can we do? I like them I like them all, but that one I think is the most, can I say it's the most accurate? Ah. If I close my eyes, mm-hmm. uh, oh, maybe it's because <laughs> lovely Elizabeth is to your left here. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, Elizabeth. <laughs> 
Those were some outfits. They stole that enemy, frenemy, enemy thing straight out of a Young and a Restless playbook. Oh, probably. It was like Jack oh, and Victor. It's basically wrestling a soap is, opera. Yeah, wrestling is a soap opera for, for those who watch it. But instead of throwing chairs through the window, like Victor yeah. and Jack in Young and the Restless, you just smack somebody in the face with a chair. I always loved Ricky the Dragon. Ricky the Steamboat. Dragon Steamboat. Yeah, he should make a comeback. Also one of Macho Man's heated rivals. Question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com yesterday for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Is the smoke and pollen in the air affecting your breathing? And uh, you can still cast your vote on that at cjob.com, but we will have to update that question of the day soon at some point this morning. But in the meantime, we want to talk about some basketball, Loren. Uh, The countdown is on to the first ever game for a new franchise in the Canadian elite basketball league based at Canada Life Centre. The Winnipeg Sea Bears are set to make their home court debut May 27th, Brett McGarry. David Asper is the owner of the Sea Bears and joins us now. David, good morning to you. Good morning. I've never sat in front of the three of you in this studio like this. And the way you did that intro, my head is spinning. Like a ping pong. I was watching you. I'm I'm watching. It's like watching a basketball game. Well, hey, we should start tossing the basketballs. I just about hit you in the head with the one you brought in. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) All right. So, David. Good morning. Is there a more asked question than what is a sea bear? Um, No, we get that a lot. And the backstory on the sea bear is that uh, I was at an event at at the Journey to Churchill at Assiniboine Park, and I was in the polar bear exhibit. And by happenstance, a bear swam right up to where I was standing and was looking at me, and I took a photo of it. And I got this amazing picture on my camera of this bear in the in the water, and the watercolor was very similar to the colors that we now have with the sea bears. And I thought, you know, that's an amazing animal. Uh, we know the relevance of the animal to Manitoba, to northern Manitoba, and there's a whole story with the Inuit culture. Um, and so we started to explore it, and uh, lo and behold, the uh, Latin genus classification description of the polar bear is called Ursus Maritimus. Now, haven't I just elevated this show by introducing Latin? Latin. I mean, you Latin. already knew that right okay. off the top of your head, that that was the Latin term for polar bear. Well, that was something... Because I'm fluent in Latin, right? <laughs> I, that's what lawyers are, right? Um, no, and and uh, so Ursus Maritimus, Ursus is the Latin word for bear, and Maritimus, obviously, maritime or sea. And we thought, well, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. And then Jason Smith, who's my president, he went into the Google and search engine world and found a mutual of Omaha Kingdom mini documentary on Ursus Maritimus and the sea bear. And we said, you know what? Uh, We're going to get a lot of questions about what that is, but that's kind of a cool name. And that's the story. Yeah, because, uh, you know, we had some people say, why not call them? Why call them sea bear instead of polar bear? I mean, I love the the Latin uh, explanation, but... Well, so when you dig a little deeper... Um, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but the ecosystem and the whole habitat and the whole nature of this particular species of bear is built around living in the sea mm-hmm. and living on the ice. And uh, we all know that, and they hunt seal on the ice, and that then leads you to 
come to a better understanding about that ice habitat, which then leads you to understand about what changes are happening in the climate. And um, and it, it just felt like there was um, kind of a, also a learning opportunity to what might become a cool brand. And, uh, and that's why we went with it. And we hope that, we hope that many things that we're going to do is not only the excitement of basketball and, and sports and entertainment and all that stuff, but that we can be a, pl- a platform for curiosity and learning more about Manitoba, our north, uh, and some of the animal species. And, and I think that's cool. I think learning is, is important. And if we can find pathways to do that, it's, it's a great thing. It is a cool logo. The colors are great. You're wearing a really nice sweater. Where does one pick up? Because I need a hat. I got to add to my hat collection. So where do I get myself a Seabears hat? We have an online store uh, at seabears.ca. And uh, we have the full array. Uh, New stuff is coming in every day. I was just in the office yesterday looking at some of my staffs going, where did you get that hat? And they said, (laughs) you should go to seabears.ca. And I did. We've also got... Uh, a, a store at the at the Forks uh, where you can buy some of a, a limited amount of the uh, uh, merchandise, but the full array is 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 online. Now I like this hashtag that you've come up with. Where the bear? W e a r b e a r. Where the bear? It's caught the attention of some pretty important uh, people in the merch and 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 in the uh, licensed merchandise world, hasn't it, David? Yes. Well, we've got two sub. Things happening under the sea bear sort of broader identity. The first is we we just uh, with uh, FFO Far From Ordinary, a local a local design and, and retailer, um, just launched a special edition version of uh, of a teal crew neck uh, sweatshirt that uh, seems to be extremely popular. And uh, with our day one campaign that's uh, being done with the uh, agency Brandish, we'll have another. Uh, level of streetwear that we'll be probably uh, issuing very shortly, limited edition. And people seem to be very excited, both about, you know, wearing the bear itself, but also uh, sort of uh, cooler, younger people kind of iterations of it that I don't necessarily understand, but it seems to be popular. So the Canadian Elite Basketball League, for those who might not know, like what is it and, and why why did we want to have Winnipeg be a part of it? This is a great question. I, I got introduced to the CEBL um, probably early in 2022. Um, and uh, I started looking, obviously looking into it. There's a whole document that describes what the intent of the league is, um, which is all about culture, sport, uh, food, entertainment, a very holistic experience, and primarily Canadian. It is all about being a an overtly, clearly, proudly Canadian professional basketball league. And given that Canadians are now the second largest national nationality into the into the NBA, uh, and given the popularity of basketball, right, Canadians are now the second like export into the NBA. Correct. I did not know that. Correct. And our 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 athletes are going to NCAA Division One schools. Uh, we can see the elevation of our youth sport programs in men's and women's, both uh, both across the country. Um, and so the sort of the DNA, the way the league describes itself is of immediate appeal to me. Um, and Winnipeg was an obvious gap in that market. Then when I went to the games last summer across the country, I could see there's a there's a very strong legacy basketball community in Canada. But what I saw at those games was visibly the new Canada, the new Canada. And as a a grandson of immigrants, 
who came and grew up and got all the benefits and enjoyed this country, I could see people who were doing the same thing and having the same experience uh, at these games. Families from all around the world enjoying and, and uniting and becoming part of the community of Canada. And I have to tell you that uh, when I had that experience going to those games, uh, it's partly an emotional thing, but I said, I want to be part of that. I really like an want, aha moment? I want to be part of that. And I hope that by bringing it to Winnipeg, we can introduce some really, really fantastic high-level pro entertainment to communities that are new to, new to Winnipeg and to help and, and to, it, for it to be a unifying thing in our community. And as I say, it, it was a bit of an aha moment when I sat and talked to families from, from different parts of the world, and, and they loved going to the Pan Am Centre in Scarborough and experiencing the popcorn and some of the ethnic foods that we actually have at the games that reflect the cultures and the people who are coming to the game. And we're overtly trying to do that. And as I say, I just thought, you know, like I, I, this is a very good thing. Out on, a much, on, a, on a much deeper level, this is a good thing for our society. Is there a Saskatchewan team for me to hate? <laughs> there is. Uh, there is. There is. There's the Saskatchewan Rattlers mm. who play out of Saskatoon. We and they've won, won the championship a couple times, haven't they? They, they did. Uh, yeah. I think they won it once. Uh, Edmonton's won it a couple of times. Hamilton won it. Uh, like these are all CFL mm-hmm. sort of related p- uh, cities that we can not like, like um, and have rivalries <laughs> with. Uh, Much more you know. polite than I am, David. He's, you're well, getting his hackles right up now. You're basically <laughs> listening off like his list of nemesis. Listen, it took me. Mike Morreale is the commissioner of the league. Of course, he's a former CFL star yes. with the Argos and the and the Tie Cats. And Mike inflicted pain on the Bombers. Uh, I mean, he was a very very good player, and he's a very very good guy, and he's a very great commissioner for the CEBL. And with all that, I still look at him. <laughs> Kind of, you know. Okay, I'm going to go into business with you, eh? Don't you see black and gold? I'm going, yeah. <laughs> Just getting over that. Oh, this is good. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah. Um, so Sask has a team. We play there uh, June 9th, and I can't remember. They're here. Okay. Um, before we let you go, I mean, we've been talking this morning about teams that, that we miss uh, with the Arizona Coyotes potentially moving out of the uh, out of that market and moving somewhere else in the NHL, and one of the two of the teams that get mentioned the most this morning so far, the Winnipeg Thunder and the Winnipeg Cyclones. So of course, uh, Winnipeggers love their pro basketball, but one of the great things about the Thunder, cherished memories for many, were the mascots, Kaboom and Baby Boom. So can you give us a hint as to what you've got cooked up for the Sea Bears? I was a partner in the Winnipeg Thunder, so I remember that very very vividly, and I hope that some. Of the lessons that I learned at the feet of Sam Cates, who was the main owner and promoter of that, uh, it was very successful. Um, and so I hope we can apply some of the lessons that we learned through that experience. Um, but uh, there will be news to come on a mascot. I'm not yet ready. We're not ready yet to disclose that. David Astor. Stay tuned. He is the owner of the Sea Bears. We do have tickets to give away. We'll give those away in just under 10 minutes' time for the opening game, May 27th, Winnipeg Sea Bears and Vancouver Bandits. Again, if you want to look at the online store, it's seabears.ca. And it was listener Danny F. who tipped me off yesterday to the store at the Forks. It's Two Rivers, the souvenir store that has some Sea Bears merch, including hats. And I must get there post-haste. 
because I need to add to my collection. I saw Mr. Asper in the lobby here, and he's got his, the backpack, and he's got his uh, kicks on. And this, uh, Are you playing or are you owning? Because he looks like he could go out and, and <laughs> compete. Looking good, man. I'm wearing the bear. Wear the, the bear. bear. David, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're going to talk about rent on the rise in Winnipeg in a moment. But before that, we gave away tickets for the first game of the return of professional basketball to Winnipeg. The Winnipeg Sea Bears taking on the Vancouver Bandits Saturday, May 27th at Canada Life Centre. Greg, what was the question you posed? Well, it had to do with uh, another team in the CEBL. David Asper referenced the fact that there's a team in Saskatchewan for us to adore and or love and or despise and we wanted to know what the team nickname was of the Saskatchewan CEBL team and the answer is the Saskatchewan Rattlers and who won the tickets Jeff Forte while Hershey while Hershey congratulations enjoy that we'll see you there maybe and we also have Shania Twain tickets to give away for November 7th what is a team you miss what does Chesney say when I traveled to Thunder Bay years ago, they had a pro baseball team called the Thunder Bay Whiskey Jacks. Always liked that name and had a hat of theirs for years. Yeah, I remembered them playing against the Gold Ice maybe for one or two years. Kind of a neat stadium, too. Love that league that. has some great names. Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. The Rail Cats. Yes. Is one, isn't there one with a word hammer? The Rail, rail, rail Spikers. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to double check. It's not coming to me off the top. Oh, of yeah, my the head. Joliet uh, Jackhammers, I think it is. Okay, there we go. All right, so we'll give away those Shania Twain tickets in our next segment. Right now, let's talk about rent because in Winnipeg, it's gone up 7.1% over the last year. So this came through renters.ca, which helps put together what they call the National Rent Report. And it found that the average monthly rent in Winnipeg for a one bedroom place is now. Twelve hundred ninety-two dollars, so one thousand two hundred ninety-two, with a two-bedroom at just over sixteen hundred dollars per month, and so that has us asking all sorts of questions, like what's behind the hikes, where do rent freezes come in, and what is the vacancy rate right like now in Winnipeg? Avram Chirac is the spokesperson for the Professional Properties Management Association. Good morning. Good morning. Let's talk about the hikes. So seven percent. Does that sound about right to you? And what's behind that, Avram? It's actually a little high if you look at the entire rental market universe um, because what rentals.ca does is looks at the people who advertise. So if you look at the CMHC report, it's only up by about 2.5%. But, yes, the people who advertise, basically the larger property managers like us, rents are going up higher for for a number of reasons. So, Avram, we can talk about those reasons in a moment. But before we do, I think it might be important to qualify who is subject to rent control and who is not, or which suites are? Because we've had several people, we've shared a couple of personal experiences here, and some people say, hey, hold on, 5%, that sounds a lot above the, the allowable increase amount based on rent control. But not every single suite is subject to rent control, correct, Avram? Uh, depending on how you define it, correct. So everybody's only allowed to raise the rent once per year in this province. However... If your building is less than 20 years old, you're not subject to the guideline of rent control. If the rent is above $1,670 right now, you're not subject to rent control. So people with higher rents or people who live in newer buildings, the guideline means nothing. And then people who are in the middle, the guideline is okay, but you can apply for a rent increase above the guideline due to inflation. 
And how does that work? Because I, I was trying to, to remember this, the specifics in my lease agreement, and I don't expect you to to remember know what my lease agreement is. But my rent is because I remembered. Oh yes, my rent actually technically is higher. I pay thirteen fifty five a month for my one bedroom. That includes rent and parking. But the it it, it went up, and that's what flat, like I mentioned, my rent up. My rent went up 5% last year. And that's when listeners were saying, hang on, what about the rent freeze? And uh, then it was, I remembered, oh, yeah, I get a rent that is then discounted. So why would a discount be offered at all? Do you have six hours? I'm kidding. Um, the, the, simple, <laughs> the simple answer is they use what's called the base rent, the number at the top for rent increases. And the base rent can legally increase. But if you can, if the people who are doing that think that the market can't afford the increase, they discount it. But if you don't apply for an increase on that base rent, you lose it. So every year, if you're a smart manager and you're facing inflationary costs that are 5%, using your example, you apply for the 5% so that someday in the future, when you can get rid of the discount, you do that. But if you don't apply this year, you'll never be able to apply next year for the same thing. There, there are always going to be people out there, Avram, you know, that say, you know, rents are too high. What am I getting for my money? Where's my bang for my buck? And then there's property man- managers, property owners who are texting in to say, like, look, can, given the cost of everything out there, rising fuel, uh, rising electricity, rising expenses, that they're just struggling to stay afloat with what they are charging. And so I'm curious what you've seen over the past couple of years, because in the pandemic, of course, you might have lost renters or lost rent when people were struggling just to work. And how have you bounced back from that or have you? Well, we haven't completely bounced back from uh, from that, uh, although we're doing very well, actually. Vacancy rates are almost zero effectively these days. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at near the beginning of the pandemic, and this has changed again, but a sheet of drywall used to cost us less than $20. Then within six months, it was $90 for the same sheet of drywall. Now it's back down again, not all the way to $20. But the hyperinflation due to supply chain and all other reasons and I mean, you even look at property taxes all. I know there's that rebate, which is why they set the 0% guideline. But even with the rebate, property taxes are going up 3 to 5% a year, right? Water rates are going up. Hydro rates are going up. Gas rates depends on the week. <laughs> but, but the supplies we use, our basket of goods, is a lot of repair supplies. You can't buy a fridge for less than 50% to 75% more than a fridge cost three years ago. So there are lots of costs that maybe those who are renting or those that observe these things don't necessarily appreciate when it comes to owning a rental property. And whether you own one, a hundred or a thousand doors, the same pressures exist and those, those costs have to be passed along somehow, some way. Yes? Absolutely. Although if you have a thousand doors, you might be able to mitigate a bit because uh, using our company as an example, we have just under 800 apartment units. We can get a slightly better deal if we order a hundred or something, right? If you've only got 40 or 30 or 20 or, or a duplex, you're not going to get the same deal as I get on sinks. That's you a men- good point. You mentioned the vacancy rate. Sorry, Brett. And, and before we let you go, it's seen at 0% or close to it. Has it. When's the last time it was that tight? I'm trying to somewhere around 2012, 2013. It's been a decade almost. The rates started going up as new construction started around 2015. I mean, we had 2,200 new units go online uh, based on CMHC statistics last year. Uh, so that was driving the vacancy rate up a bit because there was a lot of new apartment units. Uh, and that hasn't slowed down, but immigration has picked up again in the past year. 
between so between immigration and you know the, the the teenage kid moving out of their parents' house when they finish university, etc. We we've seen our our company's vacancy rate was in the two to three percent range a year ago, and at the moment it's at 0.1 percent, and it might be at 0.2 percent next month if we don't rent one of the suites. Avram Sharak, the spokesperson for the Professional Properties Management Association. Thank you very much for joining us to give us your insight. We appreciate it, sir. Not a problem. Take care. Shania Twain tickets up for grabs. We're asking you, what's a team you miss? Lots of votes for the Winnipeg Thunder and Winnipeg Cyclone. Lots of votes for the Johnstown Chiefs and Syracuse Blazers and Slapshot. Also had a vote from Paul S. for the Kansas City Scouts. And he still has his old hockey cards for the Scouts, the Cleveland Barons, and the California Golden Seals. Some great jerseys, all three of those teams. Jason says the Cool Runnings Jamaican bobsled team. Yes. And Eve even voted for the Springfield Isotopes from the Simpsons. <laughs> I get way more of these references than anything else that's come out of your guys' mouth Albuquerque there. Albuquerque, Springfield Isotopes moved to Al- Albuquerque on the Simpsons. That's the name of the Albuquerque minor league baseball team oh, is the Isotopes. Right. The listener also <laughs> mentioned the Mighty Ducks. Like I, 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 got, I get all the fictional references. Everything else I had to Google to see if they were like pulling my leg. Well, like one of our runners up here, Emily in Transcona. What did she suggest? The, the team. Te- oh, the team I would love to see back is Team NBC Battle of the Network Stars. <laughs> NBC, my personal fave network, circa early eighties for Melissa Gilbert, Laura Ingalls, Ingalls, sorry, and Lisa Bonet, who was Denise Cos. Cosby. Yeah, you, people don't get how there was just this uh, serious, serious cable network rivalry back then. And Henry with an interesting one, Greg, that uh, he says it himself, ironic. Kind of missed the thrashers leaving Atlanta. I go to Atlanta frequently because I have family there. It was cheap and easy to go to different sporting events there, baseball, basketball, football, and even hockey. I had everything there until hockey disappeared. Yeah, there's a reason why they're here, because it was cheap and available, Henry. But I feel your pain. And then for those who don't know, the Atlanta thrashers became the Winnipeg Jets 2.0, yes? Yes. Allen is our winner with a nice local touch. I like this. I missed the crosstown rivalry between the two junior football teams. Uh, Winnipeg Rods and the Winnipeg Hawkeyes of the then Manitoba Saskatchewan Football League. I played for the Rods. I remember getting on the bus full in equipment crosstown to their field on McPhillips, plus traveling to Saskatoon and Regina to play the Rams and the Hilltops. It would be nice to go now as a fan or spectator. Well done. Well played, Alan. You are our winner. Shania Twain tickets. Congratulations, Alan. You're going on November 7th to Canada Life Centre. Exciting times for our friends at Global because season two of Family Law premieres Monday, May 22nd at 7 p.m. on Global and Stack TV. So the series, of course, follows Abby and her dysfunctional family as they help other dysfunctional families, all the while navigating their own personal dramas. And so after six months probation at her father's firm, Abby is now getting into the groove of family law. But her marriage is a train wreck. And of course, mom and dad are more than happy to provide their expert advice. We are not getting divorced. You need to act like you're getting divorced. Forearmed is forearmed. That's that's not the expression. Your mother's right. The longer you're out of the family home, the less likely it is you'll get to keep it if you divorce. And what's more important, the longer Frank has custody, the harder it's going to be to get your parenting time changed. Frank has been very successful in making you out to be the bad guy, but he is just as culpable. He says he wasn't going to sleep with her. Of course he was going to sleep with her. The pertinent question is, is that a deal breaker for you? 
know what? You two are literally the last people I would ever go to for marriage advice. And this whole thing is giving me the creeps. So so she's out of there. Our guest this morning is a Gemini Award nominated and Leo Award winning actress best known for her work as Kaylee and Josh w- Joss Weldon's cult classic Fox series Firefly and among her other credentials stars in Family Law's Abigail Bianchi. We say good morning to Jewel State. Jewel, how are you today? Good morning, you guys. I'm well. How are you? We're doing well. Great to catch up with you. And one of the first things that jumped out about you is the fact that you were born in White Rock, British Columbia, one of my favorite places in all of Canada. And this series is, of course, shot in beautiful Vancouver. Is it nice to work so close to home? Oh, my God. It's the best. I'm so used to packing up and having to go to a hotel and FaceTime my family and film something like that. So this is been a dream. I get to be a part of my family's life. I have a little boy at home. Um, so getting to see him a couple times a day is, is everything and makes the job so much easier. But it's also Vancouver depicted as Vancouver in this show, which is, you know, hugely gratifying for a local like me. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, Winnipeg, the the industry, the film and television industry growing here as well. And I think we wear that with a badge of honor. Anytime Winnipeg is depicted as Winnipeg as opposed to Chicago or Minneapolis or, or somewhere else. The industry in Vancouver, I have a, friend, a lot of friends who, who worked in that industry, certainly in the late 90s into the early 2000s. Is it still growing there? It is. I, I feel like it's grown even more. And, you know, we thought maybe the pandemic would slow things down a bit for us, but there are new studios that have popped up and, and um, I know Netflix is doing a ton of work here. Um, so it's, it's very much booming, which is great for us locals. And we wanted to ask you about Victor Garber, who plays your father in this series. And he's an incredibly recognizable actor from movies like Argo and Legally Blonde, Sleepless in Seattle, Titanic, Alias, The Flash, etc. Canadian TV classic Republic of Doyle. So your characters on Family Law have their issues between them on screen, but off screen, what's it like to work with him? Well, he's he's definitely become everybody's off-screen dad as well. You know, we all call him dad. <laughs> he's in my phone as dad. Um, he is a very nurturing, very warm human being. I think one of my favorite things about him is how loyal he is to his friends. So he's he's very much become a part of my family, um, and uh, we adore him. He's kind of the best. Oh, that's cute. That's cute to hear. I like the idea of having him as dad in your phone and, you know, this idea he that is. you can connect with someone on set or even not connect with them as, as a character, right? Like have your animosities on the show, but then end yeah. up being friends, you know, in the real life. You, do you get asked that a lot? Like, do you do you really not like that person or is that just your on screen persona? Oh, I get asked that all the time, especially in a show like this, right? Yes. Because we're so at odds with each other all the time on screen and the characters are so cantankerous and, you know, nasty <laughs> to each other. Um, so I find myself defending them a lot. <laughs> when people ask me about the show, I'm like, you know what? He's the best in real life. <laughs> um, Zach Smedu, who plays my brother on the show. I, I, I think we fight on screen with each other the most and we're so close. He's just the best. He's the sweetest guy in the world. So I'm always saying, you know, he's, he's, he's so sweet in, in person. Um, and making sure that people know that we're just acting. <laughs> so uh, on the question, I, I said, do people ask you that a lot? I'm now one to know, do you get asked, like, just give me a hint, like what's happening next or where is this going? Oh, all the time. I mean, even my own, you know, friends and, and family members have said, so what happens, you know, does in season two, does she take Frank back? And I'm like, I can't tell you. 
<laughs> you have to watch it. How do you not? That's got to be hard, though, because, you know, we have different people come on that we talk to, say, on a reality series, and they just have to keep that one secret, you know, as to when they were kicked off the show. That's it. Right. But you're talking about week after week not disclosing things. Well, I know. And I mean, we filmed this a long time ago. I, we, filmed, we filmed this you know, well over a year ago. So there's a lot of secrets that I've kept in the vault <laughs> up until now. So part of me, and I'm a talker, right? So part of me is really relieved that uh, pretty soon I don't have any more secrets to keep <laughs> in regards to season two. Jade, do we have to let you go here? I know you've got a number of commitments here back to back. Do we have to let you run here or have you got another couple minutes for us? Um, I think I'm okay. I think I have a couple of minutes. Okay. Well then why don't I ask you about social media? You've been a food blogger yeah. and you've been very active on yeah. social media. I, I love how straightforward and honest you are with regard to social media. It's a little bit of a mixed blessing, isn't it? When, when you've got a recognizable name, face and occupation. Sure. I mean, I, I think in order to be accessible on social media, you definitely have to have a thick skin, Right. Um, you're always going to have somebody who comments something, uh, you know, unsavory, right? No matter what you post, no matter what you say. Um, so I think I've kind of embraced that fact of it and just, you know, have always come from a place of authenticity and honesty. I am the kind of person who likes to be accessible um, to people. And I like to uh, be able to show my personality and who I really am. Um, and, and let people in. Um, not everybody is like that uh, in this industry. A lot of actors like to, to keep their, their you know, details about their lives uh, close to the chest, which I totally understand, right? To each their own for sure. Um, but I enjoy it. I, I like the, the uh, connecting with people on social media. And I, I, I don't know, I, I, I find it really gratifying and, and a really positive thing in my life. And Julie, before we let you run here, I'm just looking at your, 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 history of what you've worked in you've worked in so many great shows some big shows coming out of the states like blind spot and you were appeared in quantum leap and the good doctor the magicians which was one of my favorite shows and one of my all-time favorite shows supernatural but what's it like working in an entire like this is a canadian show a proudly canadian show that has been picked up in places like the united states by the cw so what's it like to to actually be leading the charge on this fully canadian production well, we're we're very proud of this one, and you know the cast has has grown really close. Like I said, so for us, it's it's a really nice thing to hear that it has been something that's connected with so many people globally, because um, it just means that hopefully we'll get to do more of it, right? Um, but it has been really surprising to hear how many elements of the show um, do connect with people, no matter where they are. You know, I, I did a, a press conference recently. Um, for our Latin American launch. And, and it was so interesting to hear people in Chile say, you know, oh, that, that scene with Abby and her husband, da, da, da. Like, I can so relate to that. So, I, you know, there are so many themes in the show that just seem to reverberate um, and, and connect with people uh, all over the place. And, and that to me has been the biggest surprise of all and the most gratifying thing as well. Have you already shot season three? Because it was renewed we for a have. third season. Yep, we shot season three. Wait a minute, so, so you're uh, keeping secrets on two seasons then right now. Yeah, I'm going out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's really hard for me. I have to be very careful what I say. Um, well, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to a whole lot of that for the next year, that's for sure. Well, Jules State, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate this a lot. 
Thank you, you guys. Thanks so much. Jewel State stars in Family Law as Abigail Bianchi. Season 2 of Family Law premieres on Monday, this Monday, May 22nd at 7 p.m. on Global and Stack TV. But that's a huge feather in the cap of any sort of TV production to be renewed for a third season before you've even started production on the second season. Because, yeah, she's right. They started production on this last May. All in. Clearly, yeah. uh, global all in on this, and it's and it's funny how I've been seeing these commercials for weeks and weeks about this program, and I understand why uh, the stars do these these media tours, so to speak, because what a wonderful person! Right, it's about. Right? I think it's the same way you like a team for an athlete because you think, well, I like their answer on that, or like the way they spoke to that. You find yourself watching this team you never would have because you saw an interview. And now you might find yourself turning in a show because you think, well, that sound, that person sounded all right. And it's it's also exciting just from from the couch potatoes perspective uh, of when you see like this is becoming more common for Canadian shows to get picked up by American networks like the CW picked this one up. We've seen other shows uh, get picked up like Rookie Blue got picked up mm-hmm. in the States by ABC. That was a global TV show, uh, whereas usually it's the Canadian networks you know, picking up American programming. So it's great that more of our stuff is getting shown down there. And Vancouver as Vancouver. You know, Suits was filmed in Toronto, and just about anybody who's a fan of the show knows that, but it was playing New York. Mm. This is this is uh, a, another level, another feather in that same cap in my mind, Brett. I'm, 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 just I mentioned Supernatural. That was filmed in Vancouver, yet somehow for 14 seasons they made it look like Midwest United States. Oh, really? <laughs> they oh, almost never went into the city. It was always shot on like, like some, some lonely road. Area. Oh, okay. Like in the bush almost. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Probably just drove around the same field for 14 years. Not a lot of open fields, even in the lower mainland of, of British Columbia. You can pull it off. It's not quite California with its different types of terrain, but it does have a, a variety of, of different places that you can shoot and, and that can fill in for other parts of North America for sure. Once again, season two of Family Law starts Monday, May 22nd at 7 p.m. on Global and Stack TV.